Petersfield's Shine Radio. Hello, I'm Geoff Lacey. And I'm Claire Venice. I'm in Hampshire. And I'm in West Sussex for this week's Peapod. If you love Petersfield... I love the square. The hangers. The open air swimming pool. Lots of fun shops. Then the Peapod loves you. It's just a nice town. Everything Petersfield is in the Peapod with Claire Venice and Geoff Lacey. Thank you for joining us in the Peapod. We're continuing our Local Villages series, which sees us visit some of the wonderful villages in the Petersphere. And for this episode, we are in Rake, a quaint village situated north of Petersfield that lies on both sides of the Hampshire and West Sussex border. And while Rake might be a sleepy countryside village now, it was a haven for smugglers back in the day, as we find out more from villagers Leslie Lloyd and Maureen Keel. And Rake resident Alison Glasspool tells us about what goes on in the village now. As usual, we'll bring you the latest local news from John Walker at the Petersfield Post, and Susie is appreciating the start of spring in her latest wild walk. We end this week's Peapod with local artist Tash Hills and her new fifth single, Mirable Dreams. The P stands for Petersfield. Petersfield is special to me. The Peapod. Hi, Geoff. Hello, Claire. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Not too bad. I've had a week off. Oh, that's nice. What a lovely week to have off. Well, you chose some good weather. Had some good weather, yes. Thought I'd get back, do a bit of walking. Okay. I, th- I was going to try and walk every single day, okay? But on Tuesday, when I went, I went a bit too far. I ended up doing 14 miles. Wow. And I've been paying the price ever since. Oh, Joe. <laughs> you know, so, uh, yes. I crashed and burned at the first attempt. <laughs> well, actually, Wednesday was pretty rotten, if I remember rightly. So, good day to put your feet up. Yes. So, well, yeah, other than that, yeah, nice weather. And we're in, we're in the flying ball in Rake. We are. I've not been here before. Have you? Oh, yes, many a time. Okay. Well, Winton plays uh, once a year, do a day of one acts, and we use Rake Village Hall. So when was the last time you were here, then? Because that probably hasn't happened uh, for yeah, a couple of years. Yeah, two years, two, three years. Okay. So, but, nice yeah, to be back. Nice to be back. It's a lovely pub, and we're sat in a inside... In a nice warm corner, actually. It's lovely. It is. You've had a haircut, too. I have had a haircut. Yes, what do you think? That? Thank you. Yes, it's um, yes, my forehead's got a little bit bigger. I was going to say that you look very summery. You've got t-shirt and shorts, got shorts on, on. Looking yeah. healthy. It yeah, might be know. March, but now I don't think I'm going to wear trousers at the weekend until September. Oof. You know, you're a brave man, Joffrey. Thank you very much. Brave man. <laughs> so, Claire, it's still an ongoing subject. COVID. Mm. How's it hitting your family? It's hit us again. Has it? In the last two weeks since I saw you, not me. Uh, so have you had it yet? No. Have you? No, because and my youngest tested positive this week during his mocks, Ugh. which is not handy. So yes, of, of the four of us, I'm the only one who's not had it yet. Yeah, that's the same here. Of the five of us, I'm the only one who hasn't had it. Spring has sprung. Isn't it lovely seeing the flowers? And on my walk this week, I could see the start of the wild garlic which I love picking to have in scrambled eggs. Mm, yeah, I've been smelling the wild garlic because I've been running, actually. Oh, you've been running in? I've been back running. Back doing that? Back running, your, yeah. Your stomach's okay now, is it? Your ribs? My ribs are all healed. Good. My calf is all healed. Yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> nice early morning runs. Now it's light as well. Um, yeah, it's Yeah, great. I might have to start doing that again. Mm, you should. So it's not long until a, a certain special date, Joff. Thank you very much, Claire. I am struggling with this. As you know, I turn 50 in April. Okay. And I've been doing a lot of reflecting, okay? And this week I um, was watching the television and uh, there was an old Top of the Pops on. 
Hmm. Okay. And uh, a band that were playing were the Travelling Wilburys. Do you remember the Travelling Wilburys? Yeah. Okay. They were a super group made up of Bob Dylan, Roy Orbison, Tom Petty, George Harrison, and Jeff Lynne. I got their two albums. Okay. And uh, so I got that. It was 1988, so I was 16. When I did a look, looked them up on Wikipedia of how old they were when they made that album, okay? Now, bear in mind, when you think Supergroup, they've been around a long time. George Harrison was in the Beatles, et cetera, et cetera. He was 45 mm. in 1980, 1988. I'm 50 and he's in a Supergroup. <laughs> you know, Bob Dylan, 47. Tom Petty, 38. The Big O was only 52. That surprised me. Tom Petty was only 38. Wow. You know, they've done all that. They're in this second career and I'm turning 50, you know. I can't get my head around it. Oh, Jov, I'm sorry. Did you always want to be in a super group then? (laughs) Well, I meet up with you every other week. (laughs) (laughs) The dizzy heights, Jov. I don't know what you're worried about. (laughs) Yeah. Uh... Where should we go from that, Claire? I'm sorry, you're can, struggling. Can you give me any hints or tips and help? Can anyone? I don't know. I'm what younger can I than do? you, Joff, so I'm not too sure what, what advice to give you, but I, I don't you're... think you should worry. Thanks. I think you just have a good time. Okay. I think we're going to record a people on my birthday, aren't we? We are. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> don't organise too much. No. Hint, hint, please. <laughs> So, as you know, we'd love to hear from you. So, if you have a story you'd like us to cover, or would just like to say hello, please do get in touch. Or, if you live in a local village you'd like us to visit, you can call or WhatsApp us on 01730 or you can email team at shineradio.uk. Don't forget, I'm in charge of the group WhatsApp page, so please do get in touch. And coming up, we find out more about Rake from Leslie Lloyd and Maureen Keel. But first, here's John Walker with the latest local news. Hello, John. How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you, Joff? Yeah, not too bad. You're looking very well. But I hear you've got a bit of a chesty cough. I have got a bit of a chesty cough. Somebody tells me there's something going round. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But but you're looking very well for it, John. So, John, a couple of big news stories for this week. HSBC is closing its doors 22nd of September. And with Constad closing for the last time Saturday just gone there's a couple of big buildings going to be empty in and around the square well yeah and it's I think the worrying one to be honest with you is the HSBC building I mean it is a huge building it's a fantastic looking building but it's just big I mean what they're going to put in there or what they're going to do with it I mean you have to think yourself maybe luxury apartments but then where do they park Ah, yes. They could probably park in a pothole, John. (laughs) Because, of course, our council tax bill is two-thirds Hampshire County Council this year. I just thought I'd get that in there. And they're responsible for potholes. And there they are not doing it. Fantastic. But, no, I don't know what they're going to do with that building, but they're definitely going. It's one of, I think, 60-odd closures across the country. They're they're very quick to tell us that our nearest bank will be in Waterlooville, HSBC Bank, only 10.1 miles away or 10.7 miles away from Petersfield, which will be very useful 
when you consider that the majority of HSBC customers are a hangover from when it was Midland Bank or even perhaps before then when it was the Bank of England. Yes, the Bank of England did live in our town for a while. But it's quite an iconic building in the town, isn't it? Definitely, there's no, no doubt about that. It is a, well, it's just a big, iconic, well-designed. It was built to be a Bank of England bank, and it looks the part. It's big, it's sturdy, it's reassuring, high ceilings. So what it will become, God alone knows. I'd, if we didn't already have one, I'd say it'd be ideal for a Weatherspoons, but there you go. And with Carphone Warehouse not being filled yet, which has been empty for, for over a year now, there's an ever-changing face of the square. Uh, of the square and the high street. And I wouldn't say it was ever-changing. It's, uh, it's slowly becoming empty. Well, with Constads, uh, they had their last day on Saturday, I believe. So they're now shut. What was the estate agents at the bottom of the high street is still empty. And what was your... Old Bank is still empty on that side and a few of these shops on the other side are hanging on by the skin of their teeth. So you have to wonder, is Petersfield High Street and Square struggling? And anything else, John, that is going to grace the pages of the Peaceful Post? Oh, yeah, there'll be lots, Geoff. As soon as I can remember what it is, there'll be plenty. <laughs> There's been um, the Taro Centre at Petersfield, along with the Alton and Borden Sports Centres, have uh, had one million user visits in the past year and uh, this means that the, the, the one million people were people who had booked to do a sporting event or used them for sports they're getting I think it was uh, 3,400 youngsters in there learning to swim every every week yeah every week and that's been continuous over the past year and I think it's brilliant during the lockdowns there are fears that the company running them, everyone active, was going to go bankrupt because they ran sports centres they were all closed during the lockdown. They did a deal with EHDC to enable them to stay in the building and when it reopened last year, they appear to have done a fantastic job in getting people back in there. So that is a real success story for them, I think, and much as I... <laughs> grieves me to say, East Hampshire District Council as well. So well done them. And have you thought about rejoining a gym, John? <laughs> You've only got to look at me, Geoff. Well, I don't need a gym. <laughs> I need liposuction. <laughs> and anything light-hearted to finish on, John? Uh, the Crossover Youth Centre at Liss has got a new full-time uh, youth worker. They're going great guns up there doing stuff. Uh, they've got outreach workers who go out onto the mean tough streets of Liss to uh, connect with the young people there hanging around in the <laughs> bus stops and uh, no they're doing a great job and again it's something you've got to praise it's like the King's Arms in Petersfield when we were growing up we had a youth club in what is now the studio in Petersfield uh, school and it was grim to be honest with you but uh, I think they do a really good job, and in particular the King's Arms in Petersfield and the crossover seem to have grabbed the whole thing by the horns and are doing fantastic work. So more power to them. And just to finish off, John, I see that the Peaceful Post has gone up to a nice round pound. What, what, what's the story behind that? Uh, it's a very simple one, Geoff. 
rising fuel and power costs have meant the uh, paper's overheads have shot up far more than expected. And again, it has to be passed on to someone. I, Unfortunately, it had to be put up to a pound. And you just have to hope that uh, people still want to read it and buy it. I know, John, it's a great read every week, so I'm sure there'll be no concerns about that. Joff, you're a friend, and it was kind of you to say that. <laughs> I don't know. It's a funny time for newspapers, along with a lot of other things. You know, who knows where we're going to be in 10 or 15 years' time? Will there even be papers? Who knows? OK, John, let's leave it at that. Thank you very much for catching up with me again, and I'll see you very soon. Yeah, take care, mate. The Peaceful Post is out every Wednesday and now costs around pound. And it is worth every single penny, I must tell you. So please get one with your weekly shop or subscribe to the digital version. Rake is situated north of Petersfield and although most of the village lies within West Sussex, it also lies in Hampshire. The county border is drawn along the line of the B2070 through the centre of the village. And while this lovely village leads a quiet life now, in the 18th century, smuggling was rife in the region due to its easy links to Portsmouth and the English Channel. In fact, some say the area was practically lawless. Rake resident and church organist Leslie Lloyd joins us now with fellow resident Maureen Keel to tell us more. Hello Leslie, hello Maureen, how are you both? Very well, thank you. Mm. Yeah, fine. <laughs> <laughs> thank you both for joining us. Now, how long have you both lived in the village? Uh, 43 years. 43 years, and Maureen? It will be 49 in August. Wow, I don't want to say that. Um, so how much has the village changed over the last 40 odd years or so? Well I'd say not an awful lot really but in the centre of the village it has changed um, because the pub over the way that was a pub and uh, it's recently uh, been turned into two semi-detached large houses um, I used to come here with my husband um, and we used to meet up with friends here, particularly um, New Year's uh, Day we'd meet up um, and at that time the licensee had a piano here and his wife could play and we used to sing carols and all sorts of things, um, although it was New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. Um, and then we would um, all get together, or we, we used to uh, have a fancy dress and we'd get together and we'd do the Congo all the way across the road <laughs> to the other pub. <laughs> it was great fun and then back we'd come again and still carry on with all the celebrating of New Year's Eve and it was, it was great fun. Yeah. Actually, when you were doing that, of course, this was the main A3. Yes, it was so, the main so A3. Going across the road was a hazardous business, I Oh, well, think. they used to stop for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, was the A3 as busy then? It, well, not as busy as the A3 is yeah. now, because we're not the A3, of no. course, now, as you know, there's the bypass. But it was a very busy road, yes. Yes. But... Being New Year's Eve, you know, we waited until yeah. the traffic had uh, diminished a little bit, yes. Mm. That sounds great fun. It was great fun. So what brought you to the village of Rake 40, nearly 49 years ago? Yes, well, um, I was working at the time, so, um, well, we moved here. 
so I was out of the village quite a lot working, of course. Um, weekends I'd be at home like most working mothers are. Um, so I wasn't involved a lot with the village. Um, certainly not until 1979 I became involved a bit more. Um, my children, both my daughters, belonged to the guides and the brownies. And at the time, the guide hut and village hall was just across the road, opposite the existing village hall. And it burnt down in 1979. Nothing to do with the guides or the brownies, <laughs> but they were the last ones in, so... <laughs> so, um, that started a fundraising to build a new village hall. And um, that's where my husband and I really got quite involved. And um, the uh, land on which the old hall stood, it was only a, a, mainly a wooden building, that was sold for a building plot. So that gave us a start for fundraising. And then um, we did fundraising. We had the, the field over there, which had been left to the village. It was a playing field. And so it was decided we would build over there. So all the fundraising we did was in tents, marquees, because we had no building. And we did that for two years, raising money and fundraising. Yeah, did all sorts of things. <laughs> under tentage, which was quite difficult sometimes, but we raised the money and people in the village contributed and uh, we sold a brick um, for people who were interested. And Sarah Green, of uh, Blue Peter fame, she actually laid the first foundation stone and um, it was opened in... Um, well, she laid it in May 1982, am I right? Yes. And it was more or less finished, when I say that, the building, not the interior, um, in the September. As far as my memory sounds to be right. <laughs> but it's been great, and it's been, you know, once it was all completed, it is a lovely hall. But um, that's, I did spend a lot of time with that but it was great fun and Leslie how long have you been a church organist been organist in the present church which is up, up the road here for 41 years I, I had played the, the organ in uh, the place where I previously did which was in Kew up, up in London um, I, I don't know how much longer I've got to play, probably not that much, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but no, I, but my experience at Rake was a bit different from Maureen's. Uh, for my first 12 years here, I was, uh, it was very much a dormitory place. I mean, I was up, up in London every day, uh, out, out of the village virtually most of the time, really. Um, and uh, spending normally about three hours a day on the on the train, uh, which was not particularly a pleasant experience. But I had the opportunity to retire in 1991, and I've been retired here ever since. Um, the village itself has changed 
in subtle ways, actually, apart from the building of the village hall. But some, uh, when uh, when I was first down here, the place was bristling with admirals and generals all retired because we're near Portsmouth, we're near Aldershot. It's it's a natural military area. Over the last 10 or 15 years, that, that has more or less gone now. I mean, we're lucky if we can find a colonel or two now. You know. With the history of the village being quite colourful, shall we say, what do you know about the past and, and the smugglers that used to drive Either of you, actually. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I did do a bit of research on it. I've done quite a bit of research on historical matters, but actually predominantly 25 or 30 years ago, so my memories of what I did and found are weaker now. But no, smuggling was... Um, uh, I mean, it's a natural place. I, you know, we're halfway between Portsmouth and London, halfway between the south coast and, and London, and it's, you know, you, you, it's a natural route for smuggling, and smuggling was big, big business, very big business. I mean, the people who actually were really running it. We're actually wealthy people up in London and the aristocrats and things. Uh, they obviously wouldn't wouldn't get their own hands dirty doing it, but they were profiteering from it. Uh, also, the clergy were, were quite uh, extensive customers of the smugglers. smugglers. Uh, it, it was mainly mainly brand, brandy and wine. Uh, I, I, I haven't seen any reference to, to tobacco smuggling in those days. In fact, I don't think there was probably any duty on it then. So, um, but um, there's all sorts of stories about it. I mean, the little chapel where I've done quite a bit of work up the road, as they always say, well, there was secret tunnels. And, and I think rubbish. Nobody's going to build a tunnel up there. Um, but um, so there are all sorts of stories. And the, uh, there was a particularly famous series of incidents involving... Um, smugglers and the, the murder of two two people too, and it, it was very well doc documented. There was nothing glamorous about smuggling. They were very very nasty p people, actually very very violent. I mean, it paid them to intimidate everybody along the routes where they where they went, so that nobody would dare say anything. Um, and they were vicious. It's quite interesting that the village has uh, a county line almost running through it. It is, yeah. It yes. used to be right. Yes, I was going to mention it. Yes. So it's one leg in West Sussex and one leg in Hampshire, <laughs> and it ran through the bar. Yeah, yes. when, when I first moved here, it was the line was, was right through the middle. Yeah. And to the point, going back to the smugglers' days, the sheriff used to come into, um, say, from Hampshire, and the highwaymen that were, come, were being arrested would literally step over into West Sussex so they couldn't be arrested and, and vice versa. So that would have all happened in here in years gone by. I love that. That's a great story. <laughs> Thank you, Mooring. Thank you, Leslie, for joining us. Our pleasure. See you very soon. The P stands for Petersfield. I like going to the open-air swimming pool and shopping. <laughs> the Peapod. In her wild walk this week, Susie is appreciating the start of spring in all its manifestations and urges all to keep sheep upright. It's a dog skittering past and I think it's a rook or something in the distance. But I hope you can hear the sort of promise of spring 
just coming. It's not a tremendously warm day today, but still there's just a feeling that spring is round the corner. And I just stopped to start recording this um, because I can see pussy willow and catkins and things and tiny, tiny, I'm just feeling now the softest little green leaves coming out of something I don't know what it is it's a very unpromising looking shrub of what we used to call or might still be called boats by way open to all traffic um I'm in East Meon for today's wild walk uh, my old stomping ground as some of you'll remember because I've witted on about it before oh it's just lovely to just, can you hear that silence and just the occasional bird? And I just felt I wanted to share this with you. Um, but one of the other reasons why I'm doing this, now be warned, this is going to sound like an episode of The Archers, is that there's been a request from many farmers all over the place, but certainly the ones all around us, is that if you see a sheep cast i.e lying on its back with its legs in the air looking you know a bit fixed there obviously not sunning itself it might well be pregnant anyway so it would be really important but if you could just sort of gently roll it back onto its feet now obviously if you're like me I've done it in the past but I've been walking with Richard or a friend so I can actually pass the dog to them if you're on your own, best to try and get hold of the farmer or, or at least tie your dog up or something because obviously you don't want to distress the sheep any further. It just put the idea of sheep into my head. So I've come over this way and I'm staring at what looked like pet sheep almost and remembering that one of my friends used to have to look after sheep, you know, like we would look after a dog for a friend while they go on holiday. She would look after her friend's sheep. And I thought this was hilarious. And I went with her once. There were only four of them. And apparently sheep really love bread. And they're not fussy. I'm in East Meon and it doesn't have to be sourdough, like our brilliant bread that we get. And if you haven't tried it, we get it from Juniper. Um, but, oh, heavens, it's absolutely delicious. But this is just ordinary. They actually prefer just the white sandwich loaf other loaves are available and they just galloped across the field to get oh that was good that was a pheasant to actually get hold of it so there how brilliant is that um so it's still a bit muddy i'm picking my way i'm being slightly distracted because i'm having to pick my way around puddles but rain's delighted to have a new walk as am i and um the horses in the field just next to me at the moment are all in coats because it is, it is still a bit nippy. There was a frost last night, but I think it's definitely going. And apparently, this weekend, when you'll be hearing this, it's going to be a gorgeous spring weekend. So let's get out and enjoy ourselves. So this unusually has turned into a walk that I would recommend you don't do at the moment. So it's just before you come into Pidham, there's a sort of a turning on the left. I used to do it a lot and I did mention boats and I'm quite dismayed to find that, well, I suppose there's a step, keep well away from there, please. It's just heading for a great huge puddle. You don't know how deep it is. Because some of these pits that are full of water have obviously been degraded by all-terrain vehicles etc using them just like the good old days when I was on the parish council at East Meon. So you know some things don't get better. 
but we did we walked right along straight where they've sort of re-graveled some of it and have put up barriers and I saw oh, that was if it sounded a bit odd that was because a fly nearly went to my eye honestly this is more like the Amazonian jungle I feel like Raiders of the Lost Ark Babbitt stay up please good girl but we reached a sort of impasse. I was going to walk right through to Ramsdean, but there's a great barrier, quite rightly, saying to prevent the further degradation of it, to keep it a happy place for us all. They've actually closed that bit off. So, in other words, Rain and I are sort of shuffling from foot to foot and going left and then right and then back and just, you know, instead of being able to do a kind of a circuit, we're just... I don't know what we're doing, really. I despair. Anyway, I'm going to go on. I'm going to go as though I'm walking towards East Mian now, and I bet I won't be able to get through, and I bet we'll have to retrace our steps again and come back to the main drag, in which case what I'll be doing is going to the church and I shall be walking up on the hill that I used to walk all the time with my then Labrador, Bessie, and what a deep joy it was. So anyway, I'm going to leave you properly. Actually, I'm just looking up. There's the most incredible, there's a whole load of seagulls whirling on a thermal, it looks like. I don't know what they're doing. They're just circling. Rain, I think the vultures have spotted us. They're going to come and get us. Anyway, if you don't hear from me next week, um, send out a search party. Um, otherwise, have a lovely week. If you're inspired to try out any of Susie's wild walks, you can find them all at shineradio.uk. And if you'd like to volunteer at Shine Radio, we'd love to hear from you. You can call us or WhatsApp us on 01730 555500 or pop an email to team at shineradio.uk. Coming up, Alison Glasspool tells us all about what goes on in Rake. But first, here's our latest What's On guide full of events taking place in the Petersphere. The Peapod Events Guide. What's on in the Petersphere? There's a hedgehog talk taking place on Saturday the 26th of March at 11am at St Mary's Church in Lys. Ecologist and writer Hugh Warwick will provide interesting facts about these little creatures. Doors open at 10.30 and while the event is free, donations will be gratefully received. The Sid Lawrence Orchestra is coming to the TPS studio on Thursday the 31st of March. Legendary band leader Christine brings the best big band in the land for an exciting evening of Glenn Miller and big band era favourites. For more information and to book tickets, go to the TPS studio website. The East Hampshire District Council and dementia-friendly Petersfield are hosting the second East Hampshire Dementia Festival on Friday the 8th of April at the Festival Hall. Taking place from 10am until 4.30pm, this drop-in event is free and will provide activities and music. The Petersfield Open Air Swimming Pool will host a pre-season meet and greet at the pool on Saturday the 9th of April from 10am until 1pm. Come and meet some of the team and find out about current vacancies at the pool too. If you'd rather stay in, there's always your local radio station, Shine Radio, to listen to. With a brighter mix of music, local news and weather, there's also a wide variety of programmes to choose from. 
In the most recent episode of Talking Books, Susie and Tim discuss their favourite books of the month and interview best-selling authors Ellie Griffiths and Leslie Thompson from the crime writing course they tutor at West Dean. To listen to Talking Books and other programmes, tune in to shineradio.uk, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you're running an event, get it in the guide at shineradio.uk. We're now joined by Alison Glasspool, as well as Maureen and Leslie, who are still here. Alison not only lives in Brake, but is also involved in a number of events going on in the village. And let's be clear here, these events are not smuggling related, or are they? Hello Alison, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank, you for, jo- thank you for joining us. Yeah, welcome to Wake. It's good to have you at well, the Flying Bull. Thank you for having us. So you are a Rake resident and you're involved in a number of events going on in the village. What got you involved? Yeah, well, I, I moved to Rake um, 11 years ago and um, my child has been at the school in Rake and as a community, as, as a number of parents, we get together and, and we make things happen. I mean, we've heard about the village hall and how it was sort of founded in the early days and I'm now on the village hall committee and so things like fundraising still needs to happen. And um, in about September, just gone, we had a 1980s band come and play, which was absolutely brilliant. We we kind of wanted to get the village together because obviously with the pandemic, we haven't been able to do something as a community. But we also wanted to do it in a way that was kind of low maintenance for us um, organisers. So... It was literally, it wasn't ticketed, it was turn up, um, make a donation and we had this live band which um, the the two that lead it are parents at their, their kids at Rake School. Um, so it was just lovely, the 200 people turned up and we just had a good boogie and the weather was perfect and it was just a really nice community event and that's, that's just one example and we've also just really recently just got... Um, great playground and um, again you know everything that we do is it's voluntary and a lot of fundraising and we got a, a grant a large grant about seventy thousand pounds from um from from the landfill tax and which meant that um we've got a really nice facility up there but that was a community activity everybody mucking in together we seeded the grass rather than getting the turf in just so it was a load of us families you know over several weekends there getting the rakes out in rake and um <laughs> and just literally um you know taking the stones out the soil and just sort of preparing it to the point when it came to like watering the um you know to get the grass growing annoyingly there was a big heat wave part way through but we all had a little road so it was our day and we would be like lugging all the the hose pipes just to to make sure that you know the the ground had been sort of wet you know kept wet enough to grow the grass so um yeah that that again a lot of our community events that happen are related to fundraising because there's also the tennis court as well which i'm a keen tennis player and um I mean, we haven't done it in the last couple of years, but we'd have a really good Burns night um, for years. What, what's nice as well is um, we got a hit wall, um, hit fence, I should say, installed. Obviously, I, I do play with other people, but it's just nice to go and have a bit of a hit. 
you know, against the wall if you just feel like, you know, just having the place. So so that's all again at the village hall. And then obviously we've got the school, um, so we do sort of school community um sort of village so school community fundraising type events which again Leslie and Maureen have been very involved over the years. Um and you know things like the school has um really lovely sort of services at Christmas, um Easter and also what's really special is when your child leaves. Um the, the church does an absolutely beautiful um leaving service which you know the kids just remember forever, and um, and both Maureen and, and Leslie are, are really important parts of all those events as well, which is really good. So, Alison, you've been in the, the village eleven years. What changes have have you noticed? I say Maureen and Leslie have seen vast in the forty odd years they've been here. What about for you? Yeah, well, the biggest thing for me, we we've heard from Maureen and Leslie that the A three used to run through here. Um, so I, I had to walk my child to school from the age of four to 11 and now my child's at secondary school and has to cross the road and I, I just remember when when my, my, I just remember when my child first started school um, we were walking with another family and their, their kid was on a little bike and we were sort of cycling and it was just that, that that kid just sort of set off and was so close to the edge of the road and this big lorry was just coming down and it was just one of those things that thankfully that kid ended up staying on the pavement but it was just one of those things this road is dangerous so myself and that other family wrote to um, the local councillor for, so for years it, nothing happened but then we got a, a brilliant councillor Kato Kelly elected who really heard that and so we had a bit of a community effort where we volunteered. We were there with, I joke with the hair dryers, but with the sort of the, the speed guns, just as a community. We, we were all trained by the local police to how to actually um, get the evidence that people are... It's a, it was a 40 mile an hour speed limit going through the village. And, you know, vehicles were doing 50 plus going through, which, as you just heard the story of... Our children are crossing that road, and and the it was still laid out as the A3, so the it was wide and the speed. So we ended up um, finally getting approval just about a year ago, well, eighteen months ago, to actually slow down the village to thirty miles an hour, and really narrow the village. Which we're talking about the roads not that having an impact on the village in terms of you know it it's quite disruptive, which for us this is a really recent change which will actually you know be really good longer term for the village in terms of community life. Because it's dual carriageway. If you're coming southbound, you're coming from Lipper. It's you can do sixty seventy miles an hour, and then it's quite a short gap to get down to the thirty miles an hour. Mm. And the school's right next to it. Yes. And there are kids parking on the opposite side of the road, taking two, three children, you know, from the age of four to 11. It's just been an accident waiting to happen, mm. which thankfully hasn't. So, um, so I, I, I mean, that's the biggest change for, for us. And I know on Shine Radio that they've been for a while just reporting or oh, we've got um, queues at rake and I, I've got friends um, down at the gym who were like oh 
why are they doing that? And I just tell the story that I had because, you know, this is our village, this is our community, and that for us is a massive change. And I know my child now crossing the road, you know, I did have stories that, oh, I nearly got run over, but actually um, I know now there's narrow places that they're crossing and actually, you know, it does just feel a lot safer. And, and that's just in the last six months, so which is brilliant. It sounds like there's a, a really strong sense of community spirit in the village, though. And I understand there's an orchard here as well. Yeah, yeah. that, that came about probably, I don't know, about seven years ago, six years ago. Mm-hmm. Where, probably more than that. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Longer than that, Really? I yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah I, 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 yeah, I moved in, in 11, 11 years ago, so it was quite early on. Um, so, yeah, probably about eight years ago, nine yeah. years ago. Yeah, um, yeah um, Elizabeth Everly up the road... Um, yeah, she she's just set it upon herself. We need a, a a village orchard, and we're like, why not? That sounds really good. So we um, ended up um, different people sponsored a tree. So and also chose sort of rare breeds as well. So we've got plum trees, we've got apple trees, like green gauge to whatever sort of rare. Um, that's plum, isn't it? But there's sort of um, rare sort of um, apple species as well. And, um, yeah, so they got planted. Again, another community effort because that whole area was full of bracken. So it was kind of a needed to cut it back. And then um, and then community effort of we all turned up digging holes in the ground and, and putting the trees in. And then what was nice is, I mean, we haven't done it for a little while, but the, when the first year when they started to actually end up coming up, you know, having fruits like apples... We all sort of got together and we just had a massive, you know, cider making sort of, you know, get all the juice from the apples together. And, um, and yeah, so, so um, you know, that, that all came out of the community orchard. And the pandemic has put a stop to some of these things, but it'll be nice to actually get some of this going again. So. And I bet it looks beautiful this time of year as the blossoms mm. just coming out. Alison, it's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much for joining us in this podcast and welcome to Shine Radio because I believe you're also going to be doing some volunteer work with us. I am, I am. So have you with us? Come along to the pea pod. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank you. The P stands for Petersfield. I think it's an amazing place to live. The Pea Pod. And so we come to the end of the Rake Village Peapod. Thank you for joining us. Thanks also to our guests, Leslie Lloyd, Maureen Keel, Alison Glasspool, Susie Wilde and John Walker, as well as to the sunny volunteers at Shine Radio who support the show and help to put it together. This week's music comes from local artist Tash Hills and her fifth single, recent release, called Mirable Dreams. So from Joff and I this week, bye! bye. Here I am. Work for the man, but he don't pay me. Chasing banks, don't see no money. My life on hold. Driving home in the street like glare. Thinking about a night in our disco place. Not to five, tearing out my hair. Just give me a mirror and a disco
because I don't think I did the previous year. King of the allotments. So I've always been keen on gardening, forever. Petersfield Gardening Royalty. Growing together on Shine Radio. Give it a go this year, you never know, and we're here on hand if you have any questions. Growing together with Claire Venice and Steve Amos. New every month and always online at shineradio.uk. 